Are you dealing with the trials of a difficult marriage or going through a separation or divorce? Welcome to the club, friend. Life is messy and it can be hard. I'm Jen Zingmark, a Christian life coach, and I have good news for you. There is a path to find hope, healing, and happiness, no matter what your circumstances are, and I can help you find joy in your journey. So let's go. Okay. Well, today on the podcast, I am welcoming Jackie Hunlow. She is an international and national award-winning sculptor, portrait painter, and multimedia artist. And she also is the founder of the Mother's Legacy Project, a nonprofit organization, and the 2011 Oregon Mother of the Year, besides many other accolades that I can mention. So welcome, Jackie. Thank you so much, for Jennifer, for having me. Sure. It is my pleasure. I am thrilled to have you. And I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about yourself. I only mentioned a few highlights. <laughs> so don't be modest. Tell us about, you know, where you're from and a little bit about your life and your family. I, uh, as a young girl, lived on the Navajo Indian Reservation in Arizona. I was born in Gallup, New Mexico, which is the tribal headquarters for the Navajo tribe and many other Indian tribes. My dad worked for the Navajo tribe. He built highways all over the reservation in New Mexico and Arizona. So that's why I got to live in Window Rock as a young girl. I was one of two white girls in school. Wow, that is so interesting. I didn't know that. I think that formed a lot of foundation for beliefs and love. And as I, years later, when I was in my 30s, I started an international sculpture project and it was a tribute to women and noticing characteristics and uh, portraying principles through characteristics. And I found so many characteristics because later we lived in Hawaii between the Navajo women and the Hawaiian women, just a very unusual things that crossed cultures. And I wondered how in the world, for example, many of the Native American women point with their chin. And so do the Hawaiians who point with their chin. Wow, that is so interesting. It is. And I study hands, like do a lot of painting with hands in them. And as a young girl, I studied hands, just looked at their fingernail shapes and their long, slender, beautiful, they have beautiful hands. They look so identical to the Hawaiian hands. So I always just found that very interesting. So it was a great place to grow up as a child because we could just be gone all day and our mom, you know, like so long ago. We just check in when we came for dinner. <laughs> yes, the good old days. <laughs> the good old days. And then uh, lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico in the Southwest again. And friends were Spanish and Polynesian and Black and Indians. And, and I just thought that's how the world was. Wow. That's, awesome. that's, that's where I met my husband now. He was returning from his mission to France speaking. I was a junior in high school and you know, here's this handsome, dark hair, blue eyes, and he speaks French. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, wow. And then it helped that our moms were like best friends. You know? So we started dating and he wanted me wanted to get married the next year, but I would be a senior in high school. And here's my adultness. I, I thought that was icky. 
<laughs> oh, you were just young. Oh, I want to be sense. married and not as a senior. Mm -hmm. And then we decided um, that it would probably be a good idea for me to go to a different university than he was at BYU. So I went up to Rick's College so I could have my own experience. And, and that's where I actually met my first husband was at Rick's College. And so Rick and I had my current husband had been the previous November had met in Salt Lake City. And we said, okay, at, at Thanksgiving time, when we see each other in Albuquerque at Christmas, we're going to make this engagement official. We're going to set a date. You know, we're going to get this thing actually off the ground. And while we were sitting in this obscure cafe, this guy comes up to us and he says, excuse me, you don't know me, but I am to tell you that you are to be married. And we both looked at each other like, did you set this up? You know, right. Go, I just got chill bumps. Wow. Have, have a great life. And he left. And we ended up not getting married. So that Christmas, he brought a roommate home from school and I was ticked at him because I thought we were supposed to spend time. Now you got this guy. So when I got back up to Rick's in January, Jerry, who I had um, liked, we had classes all the same time. And he was a return missionary, very handsome, very nice. And we were friends, asked me out. And then he asked me to marry him. And I called Rick to say, so this guy's asked me to marry him. And I wanted Rick to say, what are you talking about? You're going to marry me. Right. But he wanted me to say, but of course I told him no, because I'm going to marry you. Mm -hmm. And neither one of us said anything. And so I, you know, had prayed about Jerry and felt very calm and he was from a good family. And so I thought, well, I guess that's the way this is going to go. And wow. we did not get married. So I married Jerry, good man, and took us a long time to have kids to seven years. Oh. And in my patriarchal blessing, it said when I got it, when I was 15, it says, in due time, the blessing of motherhood will be yours. Mm -hmm. I thought, of course, we have kids. And then as year one goes by and two and three, I remember thinking, how long is due time? Oh, yes. That phrase. Every time. Be a long time. Yep. I would hear it in a talk. And they would say, in due time, I think, oh, I wonder how long their due time is. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I'm familiar with that phrase too. And it can mean a long time. It can mean a long time. Mm -hmm. We did uh, finally have four daughters two years apart, Aww. and they're just a joy of my life. Now, um, I have nine children, combined family, and 18 grandchildren and three great-grandchildren. Wow, that is wonderful. Yep. So interesting. Okay, so how long were you married in your first marriage? 30 years. Okay. And I never thought being divorced would be part of my vocabulary or my story. Yeah. And I'm actually glad that I had that experience because I had no idea what it felt like, how like, so not part of the church you feel mm -hmm. like uh, I'm being judged. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that before. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's, something that you would not understand until you've been in that situation. And unfortunately, like you and I, so many women 
and men are in that situation and it can be a very isolating place to be. And you just feel like I don't fit. I'm a, you know, a round peg trying to fit in this square hole and there's no place for me. And, you know, it's a real challenge. My husband was very, very handsome and women were after him all the time, all the time. So it wasn't like something I didn't know. But I would have women say the strangest things to me. And these were women of the church would say, I have to tell you that I had a dream about your husband last night. I'm going, uh, no, you don't need to tell me that. And you Yeah, that's not- very strange. Yeah, very strange. And you should not be doing that, you know. No. So, oh. um, yeah. So when we got divorced, it was not because of another woman. But everybody thought that, you know. And then you think, well, do they think I'm not good enough or that, you, mm-hmm. you know, he had to go someplace. And I bet wasn't that at all, you guys, but you know, you're not going to share my story with you because you're already judging. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People don't know. They really don't know. And then the other side of it is when Rick came back in my life, which was a, a total miracle. We didn't even know where each other lived. Then I was judged that I had an affair and set this all up. And that's, Whoa. Yeah, I know people make quick judgments and opinions and many, many times, most of the time they're not true. You know, the assumptions, the things that you can easily assume about a situation there so many times, they're just not true and we shouldn't do it. We shouldn't get stuck in that trap of thinking we know, or assuming we know, or even wanting to know, let, let, you know, just mind your own business. Don't Don't go no, there. Let go of judgment or yes. If, if we could just be in love and support. Definitely. Because you um, probably had the exact same thing. I have no doubt you did. My total focus was my children. Yes. You know, how are they doing? What's this doing to them? How do I protect them? Forget about you. You already screwed everything up. You're on your own. I got to protect these girls. Yeah. And, For sure. That's exactly how I felt. I think many mothers feel that way. The focus is all about helping your children adjust and deal with the changes. It does give you purpose and a reason to persevere and keep your faith strong. I've worked with women that had, you know, many children at home, young children and middle-aged and then women that were, you know, their children were out of the home when they got divorced. And I think sometimes it's easier when you have children that need you every day, that you need to talk about everything with, and that they help you have purpose and meaning in your life when you feel like, you know, your plans and the dream that you had for your life has fallen apart and they just give you motivation. Yes. And an anchor. And I was talking to, excuse me, a, a woman Wednesday. And she got divorced after 50 years of marriage. And so now she's moving to a new place, but she's all by herself. Mm-hmm. When I moved, I could take my girls with me. Yeah. It wasn't alone. Yeah. But it does help. Mm-hmm. It's not the case for everybody. And it's yeah. Really and I think even though it's extra challenging having children to take care of and provide for during all of that. In a lot of ways, it's helpful. It helps you get through and stay on task and stay focused on keeping your faith strong and keep continue practicing your faith practices, going to church and reading scriptures and all those things that keep you anchored in the gospel when it's just you and your life falls apart. 
you can forget to do those things, especially if you, you know, relied on your partner to do those things. Yes. Yes. How old were you? And like, where were you in your life when you got divorced? So your children were younger? 48. Okay. And I had a daughter who had our first granddaughter and then a daughter in college and then two in high school. Okay. So then I ended up moving and um, the daughter in high school was a senior and made her move her senior year. And she was up for scholarships and all kinds of stuff that was going to mess that all up. And I told her, honey, if you don't come this year while you're, you'll never make friends and it will never feel like home. Mm-hmm. But if you come, it will ground you and we'll be together because she could have stayed in the other state and finished high school there. But I did not want to be separated from her. I knew she needed me. And that exactly came to fruition because mm-hmm. she said, I'm so glad you did that. The scholarships didn't matter. And the friends that I made here, you know, helped all of that transition. And then her friends from the other state wanted to move where she was. Oh, <laughs> what a wise mother. That was good counsel. Oh, that's wonderful. Okay. So tell us a little bit about your story since it's very connected with your divorce and getting remarried. How long were you single and how did it happen that you got remarried? So my divorce went through very quickly, a temple divorce in two weeks. So, yeah. So I'm right in the middle of all of that paperwork. It's finalized. And I received an email at midnight. And it was from Rick. I hadn't talked to him in, you know, 25 years. And all it said was, it didn't even say hello. It said, my mom showed me an article about your scope. I did Joseph Smith and Emma for BYU Idaho. And then first presidency got a copy. And she, she showed me an article and I'd like to, to see your work. Please tell your husband and family hello. This is at midnight. And I'm going, whoa. That's the name out of the past. Our moms over the years had always remained friends. And when I went to Albuquerque, I would see his mom because she had been my seminary teacher and I adored his mom and she adored me. So I knew that he had gotten married and I knew he had a family, but I didn't keep track of all that. And so I wrote him back and said, well, here's the link to my website. I said, hello, (laughs) (laughs) nice to hear from you. Here's a link to my website. Please tell your wife and family hello, because I knew he had married me. Uh, he sent me back a copy of his Christmas letter. And I'm going, okay, I don't know any of these people you're talking about. But in the letter, it talked about he was single because his wife had died. And I didn't know that. And I went, whoa, he's single and I'm single? This is no coincidence. Yes. And I remember the guy in that little cafe telling us so long ago. And I also knew in my heart, Jennifer, I always knew in my heart I would end up with Rick. But I just put that away because I didn't know what to do with that. So I put that away. I thought maybe, you know, I'd be in a nursing home someday. And aren't you? (laughs) That's all I could come up with. And so um, we talked nonstop. It was like a gift yeah. Uh, for both of us. It was a gift. Like Heavenly Father didn't forget that promise. Oh, that's and, and so I was, uh, it was only about a month 
And we, I flew my girls up to, to meet him. I hadn't seen him either. Oh, wow. You were just talking on the phone. We were just talking on the phone, you know, and I hadn't seen him either. And and I'm taking my girls just in case he's, you know, I knew he was good. Yes. Always good. So, but I wanted them to meet him. Then that was in the first of March. And then my daughter is diabetic. My youngest daughter is diabetic. And all of a sudden my insurance was going to be ending and her insulin, I couldn't afford. Mm-hmm. But if I was on his policy, mm-hmm. then it would pick up. So we decided to elope because we had already set to get married in the Salt Lake Temple and our family was all going to come in. And because my sister, he baptized my sister, oh. you know, his sister and I were best friends. We loved horses and would go horseback riding. And so it was all this connection. Yeah. And then we found out about Lanty's insurance. We needed to get it taken care of. So we just decided to elope. So I flew out there and, and we alone. Oh, I get, get back to Utah and um, I'm in for my interview with the bishop who was a you know, good friend of mine about getting the temple date set up and all that. And he goes, oh my gosh, Jackie, the couple that was in right before, I had to tell them they got to wait a year because they didn't know that if you got married civilly, even though you were endowed, you can't go through the temple for a year. Mm-hmm. And I went, what? And he goes, what do you mean? What? <laughs> I said, he read the manual from, he called his bishop and said, can we get married civilly and still get sealed? And his bishop said, let me look in the manual. And he looked in the manual and he said, yeah, you can. So he did. And then my bishop said, he didn't read the new insert. <laughs> ah, it was updated. It was updated. And, and since it has been changed and now you okay. can. Yeah. But here's what's good about that is I also learned what it felt like to not have a temple ceiling for a year. And I didn't know what that felt like either. Interesting. And- I had the same experience. Eric you- and I had to wait a year. We got married civilly and we had to wait a year. And I had never known what that was like either since my first marriage was in the temple, yeah. then divorced and then remarried. And it was yeah. different. It, was it is different. different, isn't it? I waited. We counted down to the yeah. day that yes. until we could go. And I actually was pregnant with our baby. <laughs> that time. And I was so frustrated. I was happy to be pregnant, but I had planned in my mind, I would wear my wedding dress to our ceiling because I really ideally didn't want to wait, but you know, we had to wait. That was from the prophet. We, we accepted that we did an endowment session with both of our families the night before our civil ceremony Mm -hmm. so that we could be there in the temple together. But yeah, I was like, seven and a half months pregnant with our baby when we got sealed. But it was, um, I agree with you. And I hadn't really thought about it until you said that it was different. I remember feeling as though this is temporary. Like this Mm -hmm. might not work out. This could change. This is fragile. Like died or whatever. Yes. It was a different feeling. And that wanting it. Yes. So I was again, grateful that I understood on a personal Mm -hmm. level how that feels. So we, we got sealed in the Albuquerque temple because his mom was an ordinance worker for years and years, but that's where we had met. And when he was bringing me through the veil, he felt that presence of that person again, who said, my work is done. Now you're on your own. And I thought we've had this angel around us for all these years waiting. Waiting, waiting for the due and, time. 
<laughs> and it feels like we were never not together. Wow. It's just, and his children, he has, when he got married, um, he married a woman that had two children. One was 13, one was six, and he adopted them. And then they had three more. So he brought five and I brought four. And in my patriarchal blessing, it said, your sons and daughters. Well, I didn't have any sons, but with this. (laughs) So beautiful. Yeah. Just, it's a great story. And I, the thing I regret is that we didn't have any children together. I'm jealous that you had children. Yeah. I was so you asked how old I was. I was 48. Yeah. I still could have, but that's a little, you know, and we just let whatever God wanted to happen and it didn't. Right. And and it's all good. Yeah. It all happens the way it's supposed to. But yes. Oh, that is such an amazing story. Wow. His children, I'm lucky, their mom passed. So I don't have this like competition. Mm-hmm. And I've been there because she had been gone long enough that the girls with having their babies and the guys, I'm the grandma. You know, they don't, the grandkids don't know anybody else. The, the parents do. And they've been really, really awesome. The other side, my girls had it harder because their dad is still around, you know, so, but over the years, they've learned the strength and consistency and goodness. So whenever anything goes wrong, guess who they call, you know, mm-hmm. they can I talk to Rick? <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. That's yeah. a beautiful story. I Thank love you. that. Wow. Let me ask you some advice that you might have for other women who at any point in their life, in their 30s or 40s or 50s, divorce happens. No one expects to get divorced and it can just be earth shattering. Yeah. No matter the age, no matter how old your children are, just accepting that you are getting divorced, being a divorced woman in the church, what would your advice be for someone who's just divorced or it's imminent and they know they're going to go through this time and maybe get married again? Maybe not. You know, I was hoping to get remarried, but you never know. You know, you no, know. when you got divorced, you didn't know. I didn't know. And when you think about it, you think, I'm not going to ever get married again. Why yes. would I do that? Yes. You know? yeah. So any advice I would have is first some self-care. You know, you're, you've got some some wounds and a lot of emotions and so many different circumstances, but take care of yourself, you know, allow yourself to grieve, allow yourself to go through all of those healing things you need so that you can become who you are Mm -hmm. as this person without a husband, this person may with children or without children, just take time for you and develop a relationship with the savior, mm-hmm. you know, talk to him personally about everything all day long because he's listening and he loves you. And at the moment at, there would be some times, like I would say, all right, this is just too hard. I can't breathe. Could you help me breathe? And he would take it away. I could breathe for five more seconds. And they say, okay, can you help me through the next five minutes? Mm -hmm. And he's there. He does. 
And then pretty soon it's 10 minutes and then pretty soon it's an hour and then pretty soon it's a day, mm-hmm. you know? So the, the power of Christ, that's what he came to do was to heal us. So beautiful. I agree with that. And I remember days in that time when I was getting divorced and waiting on the final, you know, court hearing and newly divorced. And I just remember falling on my knees in prayer, just begging for help to get through the next hour, the next two hours, just like, and really wanting wisdom and um, yeah, clarity and wisdom beyond my, I was 30 and I had three young children and I just felt like I don't know the right thing to do. I don't know the right way to talk to my children and handle all of this, like asking for wisdom that I hadn't gotten yet. Like, just help me know how to handle this in a godly way, in the way that I should, because my, you know, your natural instinct isn't always right. And I just didn't trust myself. I was so fragile. I think that's that's the key, Jennifer, is we've lost trust in ourselves. Yeah. How did this not work out? What's wrong? What did you're always going to ask that? Yeah. What did I do wrong? So we've lost trust in ourselves. And just watching recently the Manti Teo story. Yes. Football player from BYU was catfished. And at the end, the therapist asked him, Have you forgiven this guy? And he said, Yes. And then he said, Have you forgiven yourself? Yeah. He said, What do I need to forgive myself for? And he said, you don't trust yourself anymore. Yeah. And he said, you were a young kid when all this happened. You think you should have known better. You think you should have seen the signals. You think that you could have all this and you have not forgiven yourself. Yeah. And I think this applies to us as who've gone through divorce. We question ourselves, you know, why didn't I see this? Why didn't I, whatever we question means we don't trust ourselves anymore. Yeah, you're exactly right. That's one of the, I think, biggest hurdles we have to overcome is forgiving ourselves for our part, even if it's, you know, one-sided or there's one person that was unwilling to continue to try or work through things. Both people, you know, have some ownership in a failed relationship and a failed marriage. And I think it's important to forgive yourself and ask yourself, what can I learn from this and mm-hmm. not repeat? And not future? repeat it. Yeah. I think when we were, you know, you're pre-thinking about our discussion that I liked was, what have you learned? And that's yes. really what uh, Rick and I wanted to do is we have this chance Aww. to build a really good marriage. So we came up with some mutual agreements in the beginning. Oh, uh, I love that. You know, like we would not have a file cabinet keep in my mind of, of hurts or injustices. And then when something comes up, I bring out this card and say, yeah, but on December 11th, you said mm-hmm. this. We had mutual agreements that we would uh, handle money the way we would handle our children, the way we would handle when we didn't agree on things. And that really was a great foundation to understanding. So with you can have a, an agreement with yourself. Oh, yeah. So this is what I'm going to do when this whatever raises up with my ex Mm -hmm. and being the same person, whatever. And now I got to deal with the kids because now he's hurt him again or whatever. Right. And say, how am I going to handle this? How am I going to be different? 
because like you said, if we don't, we take it all with us. That's right. We get to repeat the learning. That's one of the things I wished I was that wise when I was first married mm-hmm. because I was married young, you know, and yeah, I think I would have been better at listening and discussing than getting my feelings hurt or not talking to him. Mm-hmm. So Rick and I have learned that we don't agree on a lot of things, but because we love each other so much, we will sit and talk about it. And we always come up with something better together. That wasn't what either one of us thought of, but working together. Now we have this new idea or way or whatever, and it's better. And I thought, what a valuable lesson that has been to learn. That is beautiful. I love that suggestion. I love that you shared that you disagree on a lot of things. You know, I think many people have this idea if they're in an unhappy marriage that there's green grass out there, that there's this perfect person who's going to agree with everything I want. And we're just going to perfectly connect in every way and we'll, we won't have arguments. And it really is an illusion that doesn't exist. And it's self-defeating because you stop trying to work in your current relationship because you're living in this fantasy that if you get divorced, there will be this, you know, different, perfect. yeah, yes. a perfect reality out there. And it's just not true. Mm-hmm. No marriage is oh. like that. I think the beauty from a good marriage, a healthy relationship is learning that even with your differences, you can come together and agree to love and respect each other despite your differences and to collaborate on problems and tackle them together. And the men are always going to think about it differently. Yeah. And the women, you know, of justice and mercy. Yes. How it is. It's needed for that to counsel together. And even in the first presidency and the the 12, they don't agree on everything either, but they stay at it and in prayer until it's 100%. And so that that. works. I love that you shared that the justice and mercy comparison is just perfect because it seems like when it comes to our children, That's exactly how it is. My husband's all justice and I'm all mercy. (laughs) And we find a place in the middle that we can have both. I understand that the bread in the sacrament is justice and the water in the sacrament is mercy. So even at one of our most sacred ordinances is justice and mercy. So we are to be that way. We are to work together. We are, and it's work. It is. I love that. So if you could go back and give yourself some advice at two times, this is the two times that I feel like people really want help and wisdom is on the day of their divorce, because you know, it's a difficult day. It's a day you never anticipate. It's a death. It a is death. a death. It goes it on. Is. And it is such a painful day. And I feel like if we can give people inspiration and hope on that day, what would your advice be? on that day. And then on the day of your second marriage, that's another day that I feel like it's beautiful and wonderful in a lot of ways, but also I think it's just a new beginning, just like your first marriage. And I think it's a good day to, um, to take input and inspiration and, um, encouragement. So if you have advice for others on those two days, 
What is that? Those are good questions. I'm sitting here, of course, just totally picturing each day and how completely different they were. One was a sadness. Uh, it was a relief also, you know, mm -hmm. because it was finally all of that awful stuff has an ending. Mm -hmm. And um, so what I would say in hope is that you'll make it through. You'll make it through with the same tools of relying on the Lord and breathing and know that he loves you. He knows where you're at. He will never leave you and he will guide you. Mm -hmm. And so if you feel like you can't put one foot in front of the other and you don't know what tomorrow is going to look like, take care of yourself and then you take care of your kids and then you go on one day at a time. Mm -hmm. One thing that I always tell my daughters is do things for the right reasons and it will turn out no matter what it will turn out. Make sure your heart is doing it for the right reason. That's good and advice. It will work out. It may, it won't be easy and it may take a long time, but you will look back and you will say, that was the best thing. So you can look back at that day and say, this is my rebirth day. Mm -hmm. This is where I get to be a new me. And then the day of your new marriage, it's a lot of letting go. Mm -hmm. I, I thought I would let, it was letting go and just looking like you walked through a new door and all the new opportunity and all the new newness. Any advice I tell my girls, do not look for a celestial guy. They don't exist. That's not even very <laughs> possible. That is good advice. That is good. But advice. you look for is under no circumstances. Look for those that are celestial and run. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> make sure you're knowing what the difference is ah I like that yeah if you set somebody up to be a celestial you're gonna cause them and you to fall ah uh, that's really good advice I like that how would you say you are different in your second marriage than you know it's interesting everybody says wow you're so different and I think oh interesting um I think that my husband, Rick, is quiet. He's very thoughtful, quiet. So my home is more quiet than it used to be. Even when the kids were here, it, it was more quiet, which gave more space for pondering. It was still would have music on and, and mm -hmm. stuff. But we study a lot. We study the scriptures together. We read, we discuss. It's a learning center, exploring center. It's a place where we serve. To me, it's more holy than I could create before. My first husband, you know, was a member of the church, but he wasn't interested quite in all of that. And so that wasn't what he really wanted. So it feels more natural now to me. And, and I love it. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you. I think it's wonderful that people notice other people notice that you're different. Yeah. My girls do mom, you're so different. And I go, I am. And they go, yeah, it's, you're very different. Huh. Is that interesting? Wow. Is that yeah. good or bad? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully different in a good way, right? Yes. We liked you before, but we like it now too. It's just different. Oh, that's nice. Do you try to remember who did I used to be? I can't remember. Yeah, I know. We don't, it's hard for us to tell that about ourselves. I think yeah. 
the fact that your daughters notice, I think is very telling. And like you said, that your home is more peaceful and you feel the spirit more in your life. That's, you know, that's wonderful. It is. I am so grateful. I feel like Rick is my reward for being good. Because he's such a good man. That's, that's the highest compliment. I love that. I love it. I know we've talked about this a little bit, but if there's anything more you would like to add, I would love to know what role your relationship with Heavenly Father had in your life through your divorce and that time when you were single and in your new marriage, blending your families together. Oh gosh, Jennifer. So I was in the temple when I was going through this beginning understanding that our marriage was in trouble serious trouble because of things my husband had done. And I'm sitting in a temple and I hear in my head, a voice that says, you are released from your marriage. And here's what you need to do. And it was like a download. And one of the things was I need to call my bishop on the way home from the temple. It was a 30 minute drive. And so I called him and he said, I've been waiting for your call. And he knew exactly the same things I did. And he said, I'll help you. So why don't you come over tomorrow and we'll, we'll just start on this. So, oh my goodness. He was in there from the beginning. Wow. And it continues on throughout it. Through some really, really hard times, I had a daughter who is, has learning disabilities and she got pregnant and she couldn't keep the child. We went through LDS social services at that time, and she asked to do that and took the counseling. And um, she had diabetes along with her learning disability. So she was a high-risk pregnancy. And I was in the hospital and the nurses for her, like, sixth hospital stay. And the nurses said, we need to terminate this pregnancy. It's going to kill your daughter. And I remember going into the bathroom and just sitting on the floor, just sobbing because they wanted me to go tell her that you need to terminate this pregnancy. And I didn't believe in it. And I prayed for Heavenly Father, please, we need you now. And I went back in the room and she looked up at me and she said, they want me to end the pregnancy, don't they? I said, yeah, they do. She goes, I'm not. She said, I know he's going to be fine and I'm going to be fine. I'm not going to do it. And I said, that's all I need to know. Oh. And we, he's uh, 16 now. We oh. get to see him all the time. He knows who she is. And it's a beautiful relationship. And, and uh, so, yeah, he's a big part. Wow. What a sacred story. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. It was the hardest thing the day that uh, she had to have a C-section. So she got to be in the hospital with him for five days. in that time and he was so beautiful he's a beautiful boy it was Christmas time and we were at the house and she goes mom will you have the tree up and stuff when I get home and then the fire was going and and there was a knock on the door and it was the bishop and his counselors and they came to give her a blessing and it felt like the three wise men (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure oh and uh, they came the next day, the mom and, and dad, to get him. And when she placed him in 
their arms and they hugged. Oh my gosh, that was hard. Hardest thing ever. Yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah, consequences of choices have have, uh, hard payments sometimes. They do. And I think you just articulated it beautifully that even when we're called to walk through those difficult days like divorce and adoption, giving your baby up for adoption, if we put our faith and turn to our Heavenly Father, He gives us the strength that we need to get through it somehow. And he helps heal and buoy you up and help you get through. Yeah. Yeah. It's sacred and it's real. And we can rely on his power, his enabling and strengthening power of his atonement is not just to heal, you know, our sicknesses It's to comfort us and bring us joy and give us that strength to breathe and to walk and to talk when we don't think we can talk anymore or have any answers or anything. Yeah. And to trust, go back to trust, trust ourselves again. Somehow the beautiful power of the atonement and the healing that comes from it, when we turn to him, he can fix all of those things yeah. and heal those things and, and heal the broken heart and give you the strength to move forward. And it's, I, I know I've witnessed it and hearing your experience is another witness that it works and he he's there. He's there when you need him, if you turn to him. And we can be this person for others. Yeah. Peace to them. Peace to our children, peace to our families that were all affected by the divorce that missed that other person, even though all of that, we can be the peacemakers. Yes. And I think sharing our own witness Mm -hmm. of Heavenly Father's direction and strength and all of those beautiful tender mercies that happen when, you know, the three wise men show up right on time and all those things as we bear witness of those, then we can strengthen other people's testimonies that, you know, if you turn to him, he will help you. And so, yeah, that is just, oh, such a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that. Asking me. Oh, yes. Well, my last question for you is what does finding joy in the journey mean to you? Joy is not happiness. Happiness is quick. Joy you pay a price for. And so men are that they might have joy means you pay a price for it. Mm. So the journey is means it's not long. I mean, not short, it's long and it often has twists and turns. And so finding that joy all along the way, or that you can at least see it in the distance and holding on to the joy, which is our savior. That's the joy that stays with you, that nobody can take it away Mm because you know it, you've experienced it and it's yours. Oh, I love that. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Jackie. It has been such an honor and a privilege to interview you and speak with you today and share just the powerful witness that you have of Heavenly Father's love and strength through difficult times in your life. (laughs) Thank you for the opportunity. It's wonderful for me to reflect back from your questions. You know, we go on with our lives and then you go back and you think, oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. So, and and for the work that you do to help women who are going through this time of their life, this journey, 
Yeah. So I applaud you and encourage you to keep doing it too. Oh, thank you. As you know, until you've walked that road, you really yeah. don't know what it's like. And I feel like it's it's a privilege to help others take that journey now that I've been there. And I know that there is light ahead and there yeah. is joy that comes through those trials. And I love that thought that you shared. This man, and he's got a glass and he's got a lighter and he flips the lighter on and he puts it in the glass and then he pours water on it. says that's stress and he dumps other stuff and he says that's illness. Then he dumps other stuff and he says it's losing your job, all these things. And he pulls the lighter out and it won't light. It's lost its flame. He picks up another lighter, flicks it, comes over and lights the flame. And now they both can shine. Right. Sometimes we just need help from someone to reignite our flame. Oh, yes. So that's, I think if we can help each other and understand yeah. and give support and help flick their flame again. <laughs> yes. I love that analogy. It's true. Sometimes when we, our flame is out and we just have nothing left, we need someone else to just come over and remind us and help us find that light again. So that's beautiful. Thank you. This has just been perfect. I, I know it's going to help so many people. I'm so grateful. It will. I'm, so I know Jennifer. that it will. Thank you so much. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please leave a review on iTunes and share this episode with a friend so we can help women all over the world have hope and healing in their lives. If you're ready to dive deeper into this work and learn the tools and skills you need to change the trajectory of your life forever, go to jenzingmark.com and join my Joy in Your Journey program. I would love to work with you and be your life coach.